Hello and welcome to NFT. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy. Really excited to get into this episode where I'm going to be joined by Vayner Gaming's very own Bryson. We're going to get into all things Web3 gaming. Is mass adoption required? How will mass adoption happen? Uh, and, and get his take, you know, sort of historically on play to earn from, you know, a year ago to where it sits today. So lots of good stuff to get into. Let's jump into it with my very special guest, Bryson. Quick spot from our sponsors, VinoVest, and then we'll jump into it. Fine wine has long been a cornerstone of wealth generation and preservation. The problem? Historically, it's been reserved for the ultra-wealthy. VinoVest is changing that. If you know me, you know I'm always looking for the next big player in the industry. I was amazed at how easy it was to get started in diversifying your investment portfolio. Wine has one-third the volatility of the stock market and has outperformed the global equities market over the past 30 years with 10.6% annualized returns, proving that the returns can be as robust as your favorite red. VinoVest makes it easy to acquire new investments equipped with a team of world-class sommeliers who evaluate wine and determine which ones will gain value over time. You own the wines in your portfolio outright. You can buy, sell, and even drink them whenever you want. Go to zen.ai slash nfteach to receive two months of fee-free investing on VinoVest. Be sure to mention that NFTeach is helping you save on two months of management fees. It's time to start investing with VinoVest today. Joining me on the Aspen NFT guest line is none other than Vayner Gaming's very own Bryson. Bryson, how are you doing today? I'm good, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure when I get to chat about gaming, Web3. We are like the ugly stepchild of, uh, I would say, the of, of NFT space. the world. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, like, like, I mean, it's funny. Like, NFTs are the ugly stepchild of the world, and Web3 Gaming is the, is the ugly stepchild of of nfts so yes you're right we are all the way down the damn rabbit hole today bryson but i'm really stoked to get into it um we met very briefly at the vayner sports party at nft nyc um and and i'm really excited to get you on but like how did you end up in web3 to begin with um because everyone's got their own you know sort of weird and wacky story for how you end up in this strange space so i'd love to hear how you ended up here yeah it was I would say kind of unorthodox i didn't really have any clue of what the whole crypto or web3 world was um, up until April of 2021. Uh, and before that, you know, I was, uh, you know, I graduated from college 2017, uh, ended up, you know, skipping out on going to law school, taught myself how to code, became a software engineer, did that for a couple of years, and was honestly just looking for something to do on the side, uh, because I had tried the whole, you know, build a startup on the side and businesses and, you know, fail, some things fail, and you get to a point where you're like, all right, let me just, let me just go back to relaxing and just doing some like, leisure stuff and that's what kind of got me back into gaming i was like a lifelong gamer but during this time i didn't really have time to game so i took a break so i was like okay i'm gonna jump back into this gaming world uh and and really go deep into uh what i really just love doing which is playing video games for leisure and um i was listening to a podcast it was andrew safermion and karushi k and pretty much uh they were talking about axie infinity at the time in virtual land I was a big Pokemon guy back in the day, uh, and they were talking about how you could battle these Pokemon in the actual game, and you actually own the Pokemon, so you could buy, sell, and trade them. I had a background in like playing CSGO and Madden and FIFA Ultimate Team, so I already knew about the whole idea of like selling and trading and having marketplaces in game, 
but having this open marketplace where you could like do things in cryptocurrency, I was like, oh, this sounds kind of cool. Um, I didn't really have too much like uh, knowledge on the whole play to earn idea or what it was, but I was like, I'm just going to jump in and start playing the game. So I go on Twitch and, you know, these different platforms. And uh, when I'm in there, I, I realized, yo, no one's streaming these games. No one's making content on any of these games. And I was like, huh, let's just try to make some content and see what happens. Um, and it ended up, pop ended up like popping off pretty heavy. I ended up becoming like the biggest Axie streamer and then progressed. And, and now I no longer play Axie, but progressed into the biggest uh, Web3 gamer, uh, you know, or one of the most renowned. So uh, it ended up being a really cool kind of, I would say, uh, growth growth pad for me. Uh, and then, you know, after that, cool things like, speaking at conferences, signing with Vayner Sports and, and and all of that jazz, which has been a blessing. But it all really just started for, you know, the lack of better of terms, my my love for gaming coming back to the forefront. Well, I'm glad you brought up Axie. It, you know, Axie is, is interesting to me for a, a bunch of different reasons. The Axie phenomenon, you know, I'm a traditional gamer as well. Um, the, the types of games that I've always liked to play have been really limited. I would say I'm not an MMORPG guy. I'm like a first person shooter and a sports gamer. Those are the two buckets of games that I like to play. So Axie never really spoke to me because like a turn based game is just not really like my cup of tea. I do like playing Pokemon with my kids, the, the TCG. I find that fun, but like that was never the type of game. So I never really fell into the Axie rabbit hole very far because you know, from a game perspective, it just didn't speak to me. Yeah. Now, obviously, the play to earn um, mechanics, the token, the hack, a lot happened with Axie from, you know, a year ago until now. And and I think that, you know, right or wrong, the, the sort of like attention grabbing headline of, of NFT gaming um, was Axie and maybe still is the reference point that, you know, yeah. normies view it. So I would just love to get your sort of whole thought process on Axie from like where it was to where it is. You mentioned you don't play it uh, anymore. And so I just want to give you some space to talk through that. Yeah, I mean, when I got into it, like I said, it was it was sick because for me, the whole idea was I'm playing a game that's similar to Pokemon. Uh, I come from a background, though, where most of the games I play are either FPS games like Call of Duty competitively or or CSGO or Valorant, which I, you know, tried on multiple occasions to go pro in or even, you know, sports games like Madden, FIFA, 2K. So those were kind of my two realms of gaming. I hadn't played Pokemon since I was like, you know, uh, in grade school, probably. But the nostalgia of getting back into something like that was interesting. And then there was this whole blockchain element, which I knew nothing about. And I wanted to learn more about decentralized finance. So that's where the balance came in. I know a lot of people got into the game initially for earning. Uh, and, you know, depending on your expectations, you can say, okay, yeah, a lot of a lot of people definitely lost money. But from my perspective, the initial reason why I started playing Axie at the time uh, in April of last year wasn't to earn money. It was just I wanted something to do on the side and I wanted to stream something. And being in a category that was new and fun uh, in Web3 made a lot of sense. So I will say in the early days, you know, thing, things were great, uh, but, you know, this was my entry into Web3. So over time, as you continue to grow, you, you learn more and more about this space. You learn more and more about how, kind of how decentralized finance and people making money takes precedent over, uh, you know, creating things that are sustainable uh, and allows for a long-term growth. So I would say it was, you know, a very fun journey until I about, I would say, October, November timeframe. And, um, you know, you see token prices going down like dr dramatically. Uh, but during this time, you're also seeing, you know, in my opinion, I didn't believe in a lot of the things that the team were doing to try to, you know, keep prices, not keep prices up more, say, but 
you got to take into account a lot of retail and retail gamers lost money investing in these like, you know, guilds and scholarship models that weren't sustainable. So, you know, in November is when I really started like posing questions and, and telling people that, hey, you know, this isn't sustainable. This could crash. A lot of bad things are going to happen. A lot of people are going to potentially lose money. Um, I still supported their community probably up until uh, early January. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, I stopped playing the game at the start of the year. Uh, and, and really, that was the time where the Vayner Sports announcement happened. So we had a plan and a strategy to uh, go well beyond Axie and focus on the Web3 gaming space as a whole to focus on, okay, Bryce, how do we make you the face of this entire gaming category? Um, and I think for the most part, you know, we're on track and doing a great job in making that happen. But it's a consistent effort every day to ensure that. But the idea was, I didn't like that tokenomics were taking precedent over gameplay in the video game. I didn't like that people were fine kind of being in this. Um, I don't like to use the word cult because I think cults are like, it, it's a very harsh word, but kind of being in this circle jerk of everything is fine when prices are going down and people are losing money and public sentiment is in the toilet. And I think people fail to realize public, public sentiment for a project, regardless of if it's like web two or web three is more important than the actual product because if people think your product is a scam. Even if you do things to rectify that in the future, you'll always have that connotation. People in America will always remember Bloomberg article one, two, and three over, Hey, we just pushed this brand new update. Now, I was even at a, a, a breakfast with um, a guy I met in my building, in my condo building. And we were talking about what we did. He's like a traditional uh, uh, finance guy working, you know, with equities and in like, you know, very slow moving investments going to give you like five to 7% returns every year. And we're at dinner and I mean, at breakfast and I'm like, yeah, oh, you know, this is what I do. You know, I'm a web three gamer. Uh, you know, I play games with crypto and I'm just like, oh, so like Axie Infinity, I heard they just got, you know, they've been scamming people and get hacked for 600 million. And I'm like, you know, at that point it was, it was well beyond the hack, but I was like, you see here, this is the thing. You got these people who don't know anything about our category. And the first thing they remember or know of it is this company got scammed for 600 million investors lost a ton of money. Everyone's running for the hills. So it's like, that sentiment is thing like those are things that you don't just wake up and get over one day, you know, and, and the media is going to always push that. So from my perspective, I wanted to be working in a space where I was playing games that are entertaining, fun, and had a chance to actually bring people into this category. I don't show tokens on my, on my stream or my content. I don't show games for the sake of investing in them. You know, I'm a traditional gamer. I like playing games. So it got to the point where I was like, when the money aspect started taking precedent over gameplay, I knew it was time for me to make a, a, you know, I wouldn't say a run for the hills, but an exit. And and I stated transparently when I left, why I left. So, uh, you know, that is on YouTube if anyone wanted to see that video. Well, I mean, there's a very smart man. You may know him. His name's Darren Glover. You might be familiar with this guy yeah. and, and uh, did an interview with him. Um, and this would have been, I don't know, five, six months ago. And, and one of the things that he said that I never really thought about uh, is that the the barrier to crypto is big. And so a lot of these games don't really allow you to jump in and play in a, in a very accessible way. Like there, yeah. there's just, you know, like a, a large degree of friction to get through to play the game. Uh, and, and that sort of takes me to like this idea of mass adoption. Like, you know, everyone in the web three space is like, how do we get the next 1 million wallets into this ecosystem and everyone has a lot of ideas on how that happens. So do you think that for web three gaming to really thrive, it's going to require mass adoption from normies. And if you do believe that, how do you see it happening over, you know, the next 
two to four years. Yeah, I think it will require some level of mass adoption. I don't think we need to see games as big as Fortnite for it to survive, but we do need to see games that can challenge traditional gaming genres and be, you know, considered a good game across multiple domains. Uh, I, I think that, you know, in the world where we currently live, we've seen a ton of games that, you know, if you have a token in your game, yeah, you can get a billion dollar valuation and allow your investors to get exit liquidity because there is enough of that here in, in Web3 to be able to do so. So maybe that is seen as a good investment to some investors. But if the idea is you want to build a long-term gaming studio and an ecosystem, and you're thinking much longer than, you know, one to three years, and, and, and you're not looking at, oh, well, we could, you know, exit at this point. So I will say that ultimately, uh, it is a thing where we will have to see games that can compete with games in Web2 because you're not competing with the, you're not trying to be the best Web3 game. You're just trying to be the best game. If you're making a MOBA, you're not competing with two or three other MOBAs that are in Web Web3. You're competing with all the MOBAs that exist, League of Legends, Dota, et cetera, et cetera. And you still have to be able to pull people's time and attention away from what they're used to playing to come and play and take part in your ecosystem. So it is a thing where you have to be very much, uh, you know, aware that you're battling uh, a system that is heavily predicated by large gaming studios like Riot and Activision Blizzard and companies that have been building for long periods of times and know how to build games. So when you add the crypto and the accessibility layer that, you know, the first thing you need is a wallet just to participate, you're already probably losing 25 to 30% of your user base because of that one kind of feature that's needed. Uh, and then if you go beyond that, oh, you need to go buy cryptocurrency off of a traditional exchange, then send it to that wallet, then connect that wallet. Like there's just a, a ton of friction for sure. So I think gaming uh, ecosystems that will do lo well long-term will be able to break free from those uh, traditional molds that we are seeing in Web3 currently and allow for an easy onboarding process, quick, quick free-to-play entry models that we're used to in Web2 gaming. And if the games are good, I think ultimately they have a really strong chance of doing well, but it is also a thing if they have to make a concerted effort to market the right way. Funny you should bring up like the the wallet and the exchange thing. We were talking before we got rolling. I moved back from Dubai to you know the United States in late December, early January, and I have yet to you know buy crypto. I had I was buying from an exchange in in Dubai. And so I have been trying for over 10 days and I work in web three full time. Yeah. I've been trying for over 10 days to buy crypto and have not figured it out. <laughs> and, and, and I, I say that, uh, and some people will go, well, you're probably just not very bright. And this is entirely possible, but I mean, the, uh, my bank doesn't allow the debit card to buy crypto. Yeah. Um, and so I have been trying to finagle away to buy Tezos because I love the art on Tezos and I want to support artists on that chain and haven't been able to do so. So, and that's for someone who's in the space and is obviously heavily invested emotionally in and seeing it grow and thrive. So for random Joe or random Jane to try to enter, it just feels too damn hard. 100%. And 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 so yeah, if if it's hard for me, I know it's hard for them. You know, um, my first experience when I first got an Axie, I actually like when I went to buy and like do all the the crap needed to enter the game, I um had the same issue and like i got to a point where it was just like i don't care anymore like for the first three days like i stopped doing it and then i was just like i won't come back to this because this is dumb and then eventually you know i ended up coming back to it because i was like maybe this is something i should learn and i was like trying to get through this mold of like learning how to do new things but it was incredibly painful and then you paid a crap ton of money in gas fees like it got to the point where i was like how is this like the future of anything you know like, yeah. like we're in what yeah, world it, it, 
I think that's 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 spot on. And then you know, I I, I think that the gas fees is a funny thing because like now gas is really pretty good. I mean, I, it it doesn't go too crazy. Um, but you know the 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 fact that one of the things that you said that I want to jump back to is this idea of tokens because I don't think every game needs a token. One, um, you know, and and it's hard enough to manage the floor for a community when you have all these these guys and gals who come into the NFT, NFT space as speculators and they're here to make money and they're day traders. But then like the patience required to help a game develop is like so much more intense and different. It, you're really a beta tester versus like a quick flip investor. And it it's sort of antithetical to how the rest of the NFT space works where, you know, they release the Saudis and all of a sudden it's at a one ETH floor yeah. overnight, you know? And so like the the mindset of collectors how 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 detrimental do you feel like your the the the, the i would say the average nft collector mindset is to giving game developers time to like really build out a quality game because everyone's so damn impatient i think that it's a thing of when you have tokens in these ecosystems um and then this is the problem i think every game that launched a token is going to face is you got to understand gamers, whether they're in web two or web three, they're not long-term investors. They're not VCs. They don't, they're not like professional investors to understand that sometimes you should have long-term investment outlooks. And I personally wouldn't want to have a long-term investment outlook when I'm investing in these types of games and ecosystems, because most of them are going to fail. They're not going to do well and they're not going to make you money. You're going to lose money. So it's like, when you have that, the reason why, you know, the United States uh, enacted, you know, and like, these sort of policies to make it to where it's hard to become an accredited investor and it's hard to launch a VC. It's because you have to have a certain investment outlook when you're investing in these tokens and everything's masked as a social token, but we all know they're not. Um, and it, it gets us into a space where expectations are a lot higher than what projects can actually produce uh, in these timeframes. Uh, and ultimately that's where we run into issues where it's like, okay, well, if we can't produce on this or if you can't do it within a certain amount of time, you know, everyone has issues, tokens dump. Token dumps also kill public sentiment, which means you lose potential users for your game that might not even launch for another year, year and a half. So I think it is a thing where tokens are going to be more detrimental in the short term. And you probably shouldn't launch a token. Or if you launch a token, it needs to have some sort of actual, and I hate using the word utility because everyone uses it and utility is such a crappy word. I would say it needs to have some sort of actual value. You can't say we're launching a governance token but you haven't launched a governance platform at the day of launching the token. That's stupid. Yeah. Or within three months of launching it. You don't have any strategy around when governance happens. You just say it's going to happen sometime in the future. It's like where it's like, okay, so I'm holding a token that does nothing. Then you give me artificial staking, which is just you printing more tokens into the market. I mean, America does that where we print more money and that's never gone well for anybody. But you give me this artificial staking to get me to hold the token longer to artificially keep the token price somewhat higher because you lock up my tokens. Meanwhile, for investors in these gaming projects, they're able to get their lockups out and get liquidity while you're still holding the token. So the amount of time, yeah, you might've gotten yielded, uh, maybe it's 2,500 extra tokens, but the price from the time that you started staking to the price of now, when you decide, oh, I need to take profit because the price is going down, you probably broke even or actually lost money in that time period based on the value of the token because investors and early founders have been dumping their tokens this entire time. So I think if you're gonna stake things, there needs to be some sort of value. If I'm staking a token, I need to be staking that token as a result of some subscription-based model. Instead of me paying monthly for a subscription, 
I'm using a product or a platform and I'm staking that token to have access to that product or platform for, for as much of time as I would need it. Then someone is getting some derived value back. I'm, I'm locking my token up. As a result of locking a token up, I'm getting some sort of you know application or value or features as a result of it. If I am buying a governance token within a certain amount of time, I have actual voting rights that I can physically see myself voting on major initiatives for a project. The biggest issue we're seeing now is that tokens are all revolved around speculation and none of them are revolved around uh, actual execution. And I think that's going to continue to be a problem in the space until there are more people talking about this and making sure that if a token is launched, there's a responsibility of that team to make sure that we have value immediately at the launch of that token. Why should you be able to sell me a token and make five to $10 million? And I have to hold it now and wait and hope that you give me something back. Imagine if you bought Amazon stock and they said, yeah, you know, uh, we're going to sell you uh, a seed stage company stock at $1,000 or whatever the case may be. And, and maybe, you know, in a couple of years, we'll give you something back. No, you, you want to know that Amazon is going to release, uh, you know, a statement every couple of months, every quarter, or whatever the case may be, letting you know about the health of the company, the profit loss or P&L, you know, all of these things. And it's like, we've gotten so far away from them just because everything is this deep embedded approach of Wagami and things will only go up. It's like, no, you need to build actual businesses uh, and stop running around like kids. The the things will always go up. Time has passed. That's that's yeah. over. Uh, and and now we're in in the real real, as I would like to call it. And you know, I I think for me, like when I think about where my dollars go as a traditional gamer, right? I have three boys, two of which play video games. I play with them often. It goes less to games, more to cosmetics, and I don't really see a huge sort of movement by game devs and game creators, at least in the games that I play on the Web3 side, to sort of create the ability to use L2s to create cosmetics and to bring in established IP, you know, the Fortnite model of what they do. When my kid who has no damn idea who the hell Bruno Mars is runs into the, the living room and says, I want to buy this Bruno Mars skin. Yeah. Like there's something to that. So when when do you think that that the the web three space will in in the gaming space specifically will start spending for fun rather than for speculation. I think we just need um if it's a game perspective, we need more games. But I think more so than that, we need more participants. Normally, I uh, most early stage people who are new to a product, they get into it and they believe in the idea that this is going to make me rich over the idea that this is going to be something I'm going to potentially enjoy. Uh, and that's what we've seen across the space, whether it's PFPs or art um, or music and, and even gaming, you know, everyone has this idea that we're good, like it's supposed to make us rich. So I think when we get past that inflection point of the people who are all here to make money and we get to a point where it's like some person, you know, their kid sees a doodles comic book or sees, you know, a, a doodles, I would say, um, you know, like, like TV series. And they're like, mom, this is really cool. Can you buy me that doodles character? And she's like, okay, yeah, let me buy you some action figures. And maybe that same person grows up and buys the PFP because it has like real experience and lockables. We need to find like uh, some sort of brand loyalty. Right now, people don't have brand loyalty. Uh, and, and that's what everyone is looking to get into. I mean, no one looks at Coca-Cola that isn't buying the stock and bought the Coca-Cola NFT. If you're a traditional Coca-Cola fan, you like drinking it. No one's thinking this is going to make me millions of dollars. They're just like, oh, I support Coca-Cola. I drink it. So that's why I bought their NFT. So it's like, I think ultimately we'll get there. But it is a thing of like some of these different perspectives take time to curate. Uh, in in the early days, it it does it isn't something that'll happen overnight. So I think it'll just be like a it's a time based thing, in my opinion.
Can we run 10 more minutes, Bryson? Do you have time? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, you know, I want to get your take on uh, the other side. And and th- like this, you know, I, I saw a stress test on one of the invisible.io people's Twitter page where they have 20,000 people in. I mean, it looked it looked insane. There are 20,000 people running around that little other side island. I'm just curious like what's your sort of take on the other side as a project specifically, and then maybe zoom out on metaverse uh, and, and just give us sort of a high level thought on where you see all of that. Like that, that is another sort of phrase that I think pr- when people hear NFT, they the metaverse is another one that sort sort of gets attached. Uh, like we yeah. talked about Axie earlier. So what's your thoughts there? Uh, I think that metaverses are going to be important, but they're all different. Um, and I also think it's very much going to be dependent on brand ownership and IP. Um, for example, when Fortnite's doing a collaboration with Dragon Ball Z and now Doritos, and a couple of weeks ago, they had Patrick Mahomes from the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, Fortnite's IP is incredibly strong. All of the brand partners they're working with have just as strong IPs to the point to where it's like they have their own fans and recognition. I mean, outside of maybe the 30,000 people who own Board Apes and Mutants, I mean, who else is really waking up every day and just like, I am incredibly like deep in on this IP. And maybe it's beyond that. Maybe it's outside of the 30,000 people who own these different apes, maybe only 15 uh, or 20 or maybe 50% of them actually like have brand loyalty to the company more so than they do uh, brand loyalty to the money or, or loyalty to the money that can be made or proposed money. So I think it is a thing of IPs will run whether or not a metaverse is successful or not. Like, I don't think uh, Board Ape is going to be able to just jump into gaming and wake up tomorrow and have millions of players on their game. Maybe it's not even a game. Maybe it's just a, it's just a metaverse where people talk and hang out and play around. I personally don't care too much for just open metaverses because I'm like, why would stopping Discord's a metaverse? Twitter is a metaverse. Like we're already Roblox. Yeah. Roblox. Like we're already getting information from all these places. So they are definitely looking especially at the valuation they raised at to be competing with the Fortnites, to be competing with you know the robloxes they have to be up there because like that is the only way i see that that company um is able to return that level of value of course they have the token but it's like if you launch a metaverse like you need to be one of the forefront companies doing it if you've raised you know at multi-billion dollar valuation so from my perspective i think what they're building is probably going to be one of the more robust uh, metaverses in Web3, for sure. But I'm not sold on their ability to go out and grab, you know, millions of people and make them think that apes uh, in a game are important. I mean, just being honest with you, I never bought an ape even when they meant it initially because, you know, the connotation of like having an ape as your profile picture uh, for most African-Americans is like, bro, like, you know, we we grow up and some people call us apes every now and then and, and, you know, stupid stuff like that because of our sometimes big lips, big nose, whatever, whatever. So I personally was never really big on apes when it first came out. At one point I bought a mutant for the whole speculation of flipping it later once the ape coin drop happened. Uh, But I think that they are one of the better projects in the space, but it's just going to be a thing of how do you bring in people and make them care? How do you make someone give a damn? And, And I think if they figure that out, they'll do very well. I just don't, I'm not sold on it yet, you know, based off of what I've seen. Cool IP, cool graphics, but I've seen tons of games with both of those that didn't do well and, you know, they die off. I mean, Cyberpunk is a great uh, kind of, uh, another great metaverse that just didn't do anything. So it's like, we'll just kind of have to see what happens. 
Yeah, I, I think it is a, a really interesting proposition. And then the, the it, it is interesting to see these stress tests where they're able to pack so many people. And I think there's a lot of implications around more social than gaming around what that could possibly do to, to your point. Listen, you, you know, you are from Vayner Sports and Vayner Gaming. And so to honor uh, our dear Gary V, we're going to do a quick game of overrated, underrated. I have five nice. topics to take you. And so I'm gonna. You do not know what they are. I'm gonna hit you with one, and you tell me overrated, underrated, and why. Are you ready? Oh yeah, let's do it. Mexican food, underrated. Why? Dude, I could do. I could do a burrito any day of the week. I live in Miami, so I'm always eating um, Latino based food. But yeah, I think Mexican food is 100 percent underrated, and I eat it quite often, to be honest. Okay, yeah. so I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot. Cuban or Mexican food? What do you prefer? Oh, that's tough. Um. I would slightly say, and, and my Cuban friends are going to hate me for this. I would still say Mexican. Okay. You heard it here first. All right. Next one. The NFL. Overrated. I think NFL is overrated. I love it. I mean, I'm a big Bron- Denver Broncos fan, but. I'm sorry for your loss. Man. Oh my God. We are. Uh, our, our, our coach was a bonehead yesterday. Uh, but I think that the reason being for NFL being overrated is uh, we don't get enough actual FaceTime with the players. They're all behind helmets. Like it. I personally, unless you're a quarterback, like. Most people don't remember the safety until they become Troy Palomalu or somebody. So it's just like, I personally think that it does incredibly well here in the States, but outside of the States and maybe some very like small pockets, it doesn't have like the global reach of like a basketball uh, or, uh, you know, soccer. So I would say NFL slightly overrated. Okay. New York city. Overrated as I think New York okay, city. Why uh, it smells. Uh, you got trash on the side of the streets. The rats there are bigger than me, and I weigh 170 pounds. You don't, you can't have a backyard. Uh, I think I said it smells once, but I'll say it again. But it's, I will say, it is one of the most fun places I've ever been. But no way in hell I could live there. Overrated. Uh, agree with you a thousand percent on the. I could never live there, but I do like to go visit. Hundred percent. All right, Fortnite. Underrated. I still think that Fortnite has so many more legs in different places it can go. They just did the Doritos partnership. They're going to be hard to catch. I don't know if I'm a game that's being built or if I'm an investor, if a game says we're trying to be the next Fortnite, I'd probably just like run in the opposite direction because no one would have expected this. But think about it. You could, I could right now make a brand new YouTube channel and only do Fortnite content. And I would probably within like a year, year and a half, get enough of a following to be able to do it full time. Convinced. That's crazy. And and what is this Doritos partnership? Because I'm not I, I'm not aware of this. I, I haven't played in. Yeah. I might have played yesterday. I can't even remember. So what's going on with Doritos? What are they doing? They have like their own map in the game and you can use like QR codes in the bags of Doritos in real life and scan them and you get access to the map. And I think there's like a, a, a set of like different quests that you can do in the game to get like Doritos theme, like um, wearables and stuff. So holy dude, they, cow. Well, they're killing this it. is the, this is the kid's game of choice. We play a lot. Uh, and I've really enjoyed this past season actually. And I know you responded to my tweet yeah. saying, do you think NFTs ever get embedded into Fortnite?" Uh, Darren yeah. also weighed in on that. Okay. Last one. NFTs. Overrated. Um, it's just a thing of, we are in a world where people think ownership is still more important than uh, culturally creating a world where experiences and entertainment are at the forefront. And I'm not saying, Hey, you own this NFT and you get into my lame ass party. Like, I don't give a damn about that. Create cool experiences with brands that I'm used to seeing brands that allow you to like propel yourself and your audiences and your communities and your fan bases and 
do cool collaborations that are outside of just throwing a party. So I think that NFTs right now are very overrated. Long-term, we will get to a point where, uh, like, I think after the bear market, I still see an NFT bear market being, like, kind of prevalent. But ultimately, I think we'll see really cool companies doing stuff. Like, I'm expecting Pharrell to go crazy with doodles. Like, I'm expecting him to do some crazy stuff with doodles, real-life things that make people actually want to give a damn. But um, it's going to take a while. So I'd say they're still overrated. One more Starbucks. Overrated. Uh, I don't drink Starbucks. I'm not a huge coffee guy, but I think they have great vanilla bean scones. <laughs> I think that the Polygon uh, announcement was huge and it's going to be great. My mother, literally, I woke up the next morning and she said she had just signed up for this brand new uh, rewards program. And of course, it was a Starbucks uh, Polygon program. And she has she ha doesn't have a wallet. She knows what I do, but wasn't deep into the space. So it's cool to see like people that are in their 50s that are like, okay, like this is something I want to be a part of. But uh, I think that Starbucks as a, a brand is overrated, but um, hey, you know, they have probably one of the strongest brands in the game. So shout out to them for being at the forefront of building out Web3 and coming up with really cool ecosystem. But it's also a thing to take into account that they're going to be servicing it for their community and hats off to them for calling it like loyalty stamps or something. They're not calling it NFTs or anything like that or NFT rewards. They're giving it like a very culturally endemic name to their to their current fan base and user base, which is wonderful in my opinion yeah they're they're not alienating them by throwing the, the nft you know moniker around at people and uh you know i i think it's funny that you said your mom immediately said she she signed up and and she's raring to go yeah i actually think it's our best chance for an, a more immediate mass adoption is the success of how this goes i think that, you know for people this could enter a space where they become more interested in the idea of digital ownership um because to your point it's when established brands and in and, in and your life is made better by participating yeah and that's beyond just a fiscal thing that that's that's a, a quality of life thing um bryson look we, we ran a bit over i want to really thank you for jumping on really appreciate it i'm going to get this episode out today it thank is you Tuesday, for having september me. 13th it's going to release here in, in a couple hours uh you're always welcome to come back and uh and speak your mind but uh really respect your work appreciate your work um and and a big fan so thank you so uh, much Happy to have you back anytime. Bryson, thanks for joining. Thanks again. I want to thank my special guest, Bryson, for joining this episode of NFTH. I want to thank all of you for listening. Um, really appreciate it. Going to be back with more episodes of NFTH next week. But for now, it's Dr. Jeremy signing off saying take care of yourselves and each other. Peace. Peace.